This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Delighted to be joined by a, a true friend of the show, someone I've, I've got to know really well over the over the last year, and John Bleasdale. John writes for the, the famous Tartan Army magazine, so there's no one better to, to preview Scotland versus Israel, and and he also does incredible work with the SFF podcast, the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Some really big interviews on there recently, Davy Irons, Ali Begg, amongst many others. So. If you've not checked SFF out, please do and follow John on Twitter at jibleasdale81. You will not regret it. First of all, John, how are you? I'm good, Callum. Thanks very much for uh, inviting me on and giving me a wee break from um, the reality of, uh, of two kids. Well, you mentioned the reality of two kids. I was actually, the first question I was going to ask you, John, was what's giving you sleepless nights more at the moment? Your, your newly born baby or the prospect of Scotland versus Israel? God, that is a tough question, to be fair. Um, to, to be fair, at least the kids go back to sleep, whereas Scotland can give you nightmares, um, just depending on how they play. And if they play like they did last month, then I'm truly not looking forward to it. Well, that's the thing. I think we're all in that same boat. It's the it's the hope that kills you with Scotland, as, as we both know. And, and in terms of the Israel game, um, I feel like we've played Israel quite a lot, of course, over the last couple of years. And it, at times, you, there's an element of, of Scottish fans that expect us to just walk over a side like Israel, whereas we both know, having, having watched the national team for years, that you can never take anything for granted with Scotland. What are your initial thoughts going into the game? Well, see, that's the thing. Back in um, March, I was looking forward to the game because um, I felt as though we'd started a little bit of momentum with the Cyprus and Kazakhstan results. Um, I th- I know they were dead rubber games effectively, but I, th- I felt as though we had a good shape about us and I wasn't worried about Israel at all. And then you're thinking, Phil Hamden um, was, and Lee Griffiths was back in form at this point at Celtic. You know, that would have potentially solved the number nine issue. Obviously, COVID hit. It's been, it's been delayed. Um, and now no fans can get in, um, which is a shame because well, I was supposed to be going, but obviously um, that's been put pay. Um, so now you're um, going in a game with no fans, um, which, let's be honest, Hamden, when it's half full, that's atmosphere. Um, when there's nobody there, it's um, I think it's a bigger advantage to Israel. And I'm worried about, I'll probably talk about this a few times, but I'm really worried if we play 3-5-1-1 again. Um, I don't think about three suits the personnel that we've got. I think we're trying to, <coughs> I think Clark's fallen into the same trap as McLeish by um, going with a back three um, to fit Tierney and Robertson in the team. Um, personally, I think you can get Tierney in a back four playing either as a, an emergency to right back, which isn't ideal, but you know, he can play there, or even centre-back. I think, he, oh, oh, despite his lack of height, I think he can play centre-back because you can read the game and he's got the recovery to play centre-back because um, a lot of strikers, strikers now are quite fast and you need someone quick in there. You've got McKenna in there to head the ball. So, one-winded answer. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the game just now. I'm, I'm certainly less optimistic than I was back in March. I, I, 
to share that view that so much has changed since March. We've had, we've had the lockdown. We've, we've had Scottish football being sort of put to pay early. Um, now it's back. Obviously, no fans are allowed in. The SFA were hoping, as I think all of us were, that by this time, we would have a proportion of a crowd in Hamden um, and other grounds, or at least maybe even a full crowd. You just never know. That's not happening. You've mentioned the fact that it could be an advantage for Israel. I'm just going to play devil's advocate and say that Scotland, when pressure has been on, and, and you look at campaigns of the past, Georgia are a team that come to mind. When the pressure's really been on, Scotland have struggled under, under pressure. So, in a sense, to play devil's advocate, could no fans been there actually help calm the Scottish national team in this game? It was away from home, maybe, because um, the Georgia games you mentioned were both away from. We seem to have um, a fear of going to Tbilisi. Um, it's that fear of going into the unknown. Um, whereas at Hamden, um, more times than not, we've, you know, we've fed off that crowd. It's, um, there's been occasions where it's not quite worked, like Belgium and Russia being recent examples. But, um, but you know, in years gone, gone by, we've certainly needed that home crowd behind us um, because I think there's no doubt the players feed off that. Um, and the lack of crowd, I think, is um, going to be a bit, bit of a fact. It's the same for Israel, mind you. But I, th- I think they'll feed off that more because Israel would have probably had about 50 fans in there anyway. So um, it wouldn't have affected them. Um, and the other, thing, the other thing I forgot to mention, um, we're talking about March to now, Lee Griffiths, is still not being near the Celtic team. Um, one other thing I'll add, um, I, I put my blog out on SFF this morning, it's going to go and see FB later. Um, I don't think international football should be on right now, if you want my honest opinion about it. I think it could have been put back to March next year and still have the playoff in March like it should have been, because the Euros is going to be still in June next year. And just scrap the Nations League for this year, um, because you know, right now we're, we're, in, the pan, we're in the second wave most countries' numbers are getting higher, certainly Scotland's is getting higher. Um, and to encourage players to come out of their club bubbles and travel all around the, all across Europe, to me, is a nonsense. I mean, next month, if Scotland win this game, we're going to be facing three away trips to um, either Norway or Serbia, Slovakia and the Czech Republic, uh, sorry, Slovakia and Israel. <laughs> That's a lot of travelling in a six-day period. There's no need for that right now. Absolutely, and, and, and I, I would agree with that view. I think Josie Mourinho down south um, has highlighted that towards England by saying he's got a player in Harry Kane who's on fire at the moment for his club side, yet now he has to go and basically play in three friendly matches during a pandemic, which, as, as, as we've both said there, is strange. And you just, you just wonder what it's going to be like in the next few months. March, for me, as you've said there, I think would make more sense because... You could let things calm down. There could be a sort of circuit break or another mini lockdown between now and March to to hopefully help the numbers come back down. But it definitely seems like a strange decision. But I suppose you know as, as much as I do, John, that th- there will be a proportion of the the, the European organisations, UEFA, um, will definitely be thinking to themselves, we need to keep international football going, or we could be forgotten about in many ways. Yeah, I don't even know if it's about being forgotten about. I think it's the TV contracts that they're, they're worried about and, and sponsorship. But these things can be put to one side. I mean, I think the players domestically, there's a lot being expected of them. I mean, um, you've had, I still think in terms of Scottish football, they're optimistic about a 38-game um, Premier League season, if you want my honest opinion about that. Then you're adding the European fixtures. Um, you know, Celtic and Rangers, 
if they well done them getting into the group stages, they won't get a break now until until January at the earliest because um, the, the SPFL have already said that they're using every single date that they possibly can. Um, then you're adding a full Betfred Cup. I cannot believe that that group stage is still happening. That should be um, that should be knockout for this season. At least they've come to the right decision in the Challenge Cup. But I'm digressing from international football. And I just think UEFA are adding to that by asking these players to then go add international football. Um, and listen, as much as I love international football, I love going to Scotland games. I want to be able to go to the Scotland game. I don't want to be missing out in these three games that are coming up um, in the in the playoff in the Nations League. And as I say, I know they want to keep the Nations League in terms of doubling up for the World Cup qualifiers, but you can just bring the playoffs in by using the group positions for that, like it has been in the past. I don't think the Nations League's needed for the World Cup campaign. I get it for the Euros, but not for this. It's, but it is what it is. We've just got to get on with and support from our armchairs as opposed to in Hamden. I've been very vocal about the fact that the, the two positions that worry me um, as a Scotland fan are, are centre-half and, and centre-forward. When you look at the, the squad Steve Clark selected, you look at the defenders that are in the squad, you've got Liam Cooper, Declan Gallagher, Scott McKenna, Stephen O'Donnell, Liam Palmer, Ryan Porteous, Andy Robertson, Greg Taylor and Kieran Tierney. The inclusion of Taylor, to me, suggests that Tierney, I think, may be playing at centre-back because... Obviously, if there's an injury to Robertson during the game, it's good to have another option off the bench, maybe in Taylor, if Tierney's playing well. So that inclusion, to me, potentially suggests you might get Tierney in at, in at centre-half. And in terms of the forward line, you've got Ollie Burke, Lyndon Dykes, Ollie McBurney, Callum Patterson and, and Lauren Shankland. In terms of those positions, John, how would you approach the, those positions? Because for me, those are the positions that, that cause me the most stress as a fan. I'll start at the top, um, the, the striker position. Um, no, no one's on form, really. I mean, Lyndon Dykes, he's played well in these two games. and He's done, he's done okay at QPR, but his two goals um, have been from penalty kicks. Um, he's not scored from open play yet. And um, Ollie McBurney hasn't got off the mark for Sheffield United this season. Um, I'll come back on him in a wee minute. Uh, Oliver Burke, he's not an out-and-out striker. He's not scoring goals either. Shanklin's only just back from injury, but again, he's only had a couple of appearances. His goal was against San Marino, um, and, and well done to him for getting his goal, but it's not really something that he fills you with. Yeah, let's put, patch him in for this crucial playoff. Um, and Callum Patterson isn't an actual striker either, so it, it does worry you. Um, it's been a problem, for me, it's been a problem since Kenny Miller retired from international football. Griffiths had a mini purple patch in 2017, but even if you take that 2017 period out, and out the equation, it's not really done a lot in a Scotland jersey. Um, I, I think Lyndon Dykes will start. Um, I know you'll ask me for my starting 11 later. Um, Ollie McBurney, I think, has got a massive point to prove um, because he's not done it in a Scotland jersey yet. At times, he's looked disinterested. I do feel from for last month because that whole shenanigans of... Him being left out the squad, um, withdrawn from the squad, and then two days later playing for Sheffield United in a friendly. The way that was allowed to come out the way it did, that everyone found out through Sheffield United's um, Twitter account, was absolutely ridiculous because people jumped on the bandwagon, and myself included, you know, jumped to the conclusion that he wasn't interested in playing for Scotland. And there's been other instances in the past, but when it actually transpired that this was agreed between both Scotland and Sheffield United, why did Steve Clark not come out? And why did no one else in the SFA come out and clarify between the Sunday and the Tuesday? I feel for the boy that he was hung out to dry. And I actually want him to do 
to come back in and do well because see anyone that pulls on a Scotland shirt, Callum, I want them to succeed. It doesn't matter who they play for or what they've done in the past. If they can start, if, if they get a chance to take it, then it's the better for the national team. And I hope Ollie McBurney, if he gets a start or if he comes off the bench, does get that first goal and get the monkey off his back and maybe he'll win the, start winning the fans over. I want to ask you about a player in particular that's been, been mentioned by by certain pundits within the game. Um, I, I think I can, I can guess your view, but I could be wrong. Stephen Fletcher, should he be in the squad? Can he offer anything to Scotland at this stage of his career? Has he got a club yet? He's with Stoke. That's right. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, he did. He did well in those games against Albania and Israel that um, got us over the line to get into the playoff in the first place. Um, he, he does offer a lot in terms of playing the, the lone striker role and in terms of his hold up play and bringing people into play. Um, but I don't. I don't think his his heart's in it anymore for Scotland. Um, I mean, he withdrew mysteriously from that Kazakhstan. Um, it's worth asking the question, but um, at some point we need to move on. Um, he's not always been prolific. If you look at his scoring record, most of his goals came against Gibraltar. Um, no, I think he's got nine goals and six of them against Gibraltar. It's not really a lot to write home about. I'm not, I'm not overly convinced. I mean, it would be because we don't have any other options. The, the other thing that we're forgetting about, Stephen Naismith hasn't kicked the ball yet for Hearts. Um, because Hearts' domestic season doesn't kick off till this week. He could have been an option to consider because um, he offers a lot. But again, all those strikers in there, they offer something, but none of them are prolific. And that's the that's the big worry. And Scotland need to find a striker that can hit the net on a regular basis or it's going to be a long struggle. But before we come to, to the start of living and, and, and you give yours and I, and I will give mine, what do you make of, of Steve Clark's time in charge of the national team so far? I think everyone agrees that the Alex McLeish era, second time around, was was an awkward era for all involved. I think Big Alec found it awkward. Um, I think the players found it awkward. <laughs> the media, certainly, I think elements of the media found it awkward because I think a lot of them have got a lot of time for Alec. But at the same time, the, the, the performances weren't necessarily there to, 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 to back the man. But at the same time, you've, I suppose we wouldn't be here without Alec McLeish, so he has to get mentioned when it comes to this period as well. Yeah, I feel awkward about Alec McLeish. He's obviously, he was one of my heroes growing up as an Aberdeen fan, um, lifting the Scottish Cup in 1990. So I certainly don't want him, didn't want him to, to fail. And, um, I, I mean, we've got to give him credit because he did effectively get his overline, but it was an easy group. You know, Scotland should have won every game in that group, and we actually nearly made a pig's ear of it. Um, but I'll give him, I'll give him credit that he ditched the three-five-one-one when he realised it didn't work. He went with the traditional four-two-three-one with Fraser and uh, Forrest in the wings for those two games against Albania and Israel, and it got the job done. Um, but his time, his time had come and gone. Unfortunately, he, it's a shame because he's maybe potential wrecked the good reputation I had from Euro 2008 qualifying campaign where we almost done it. Um, we almost got over the line. If it hadn't been for Georgia and a James McFadden miss against Italy, um, we would have been there. Um, so it's a shame that he went back to tarnish uh, and it tarnished his reputation a bit, but it wasn't his fault he ended up in that position. Let's let's be honest. I mean, the SFA took too long with Michael O'Neill to the point where O'Neill was like, well, stuff you I'll stay with Northern Ireland. They want me. You don't seem that interested. So it's not... You can't blame Alec McLeish for taking the job because he had nothing else to do. Um, but it is a, it, I do feel sorry for him, but 
um, it was the right decision to, to let him go, unfortunately. And in terms of Steve Clark so far, I recently spoke to, to Stephen McGowan and, and Stephen's observation is that, like both of us, John, he wishes Scotland all the best. He wants to see nothing more than the national team succeed. He did say, though, on record that his one reservation with Clark is that Clark is a, a training ground manager. Um, and with Scotland, you don't really get a, a lot of time in the training ground with the players. I mean, you think of what he, he was able to do at Kilmarnock and making them organised, hard to beat. To get 70 training sessions that, that, that Clark, I think, had said was really crucial, you need about seven years in the Scotland job and you're not going to get seven years. So, so how, do you, how do you see Clark managing the national team in this period? Because it's clear that with the formation changes, with the personnel changes, that I think it's fair to say I don't think he knows his out-and-out out best 11 as of yet. No, he definitely doesn't. Um, I think he was getting close to knowing it um, back in March, as we said before, before COVID hit. Um, I think he's fallen, as I said before, I think he's fallen into the same track with the Tierney Robertson um, situation. I think he needs to make a decision on um, whether he puts Tierney in at centre-back or he doesn't, or he picks between one of Robertson and Tierney. Um, I, I think he needs to be brutal about that because I think Tierney doesn't want to play right-back. Um but I think he can play centre-back. But if he's going to play centre-back, it's got to be a four. Clark needs to get back to what he knows best. I think that's the problem. Because um, I said, he was showing signs it was it was working, and then he changed it last month. And it, I know the stats say we got four points from six, uh, six from those two games. But look at the circumstances. Israel at home, we didn't play well. We only had two shots in target, one of which was a penalty. Um, and Israel got a deserved draw. Czech Republic, under-20s, let's be honest. Um that game should never have went ahead. Czech Republic under-20 should have beat us. And I don't know how we get through that game. Um, so for me, Clark's always been a 4-2-3-1, you know, 4-4-2 man. And that's what he needs to get back to. Because um, that's suits the players that we've got. I know there's arguments that because Forrest is out of the squad that there's, that's another wide player come out. But Fraser's back in. Christy can play in the wide position cut in. Andy Robertson's best, um, best game is overlapping a winger, not by doing the role of both fullback and winger. Um, a lot of people don't see that difference. He's best, if you look at him at Liverpool, he's over, he's overlapped my player. Um, but he doesn't do that in the national, in the national team playing a 3-5-1-1. So if Clark gets back to, the four, um, to what he knows best, it can potentially work out for him. I think he needs to win this game. I think if we win this game on Thursday, um, regardless of what happens in the playoff final, he might get the World Cup qualifiers. If we lose on Thursday, I think names will be out. I think that could be the case as well. And, and I just want to play devil's advocate on Tierney and Robertson. Um, mm -hmm. Personally, my view, I think they both should be in the squad. I think you can, you can find a way that works for both. But on the other hand, there will be an element out there, if it doesn't click in the next couple of games or beyond, that people will, will look at it and say, is it a wee bit like what Sven Jorn Edson tried to do in England, where he had four really good midfielders, he had Beckham, he had Scholes, he had Gerrard, he had Lampard, he tried to pigeonhole them all in to make it work and it ended up sort of hindering them all. Is there a case that it could eventually come down to the fact that both of them are top left backs, that's the position they're best at and you need to choose one or the other? Without a doubt, um, that's what I've just been saying, he either needs to um, put Tierney in a back four um, as one of the centre backs um, because I think he can play there. Um, as I say, despite his lack of his sight, I think he can be a, a decent centre-back. Um, 
But if he doesn't think he's going to play in a back four, he's got to pick between one of them as as the left back. And you go with the one that's more in form. Now, who's more in form just now? Well, both made mistakes in the recent Liverpool Arsenal game, although Robertson got his goal. So it's a it's a toss of a coin. People can argue that Robertson hasn't been at his best for Scotland in recent times. I think part of that is is being circumstantial that he doesn't have the same pl- he doesn't have the same players around him. That that obviously affects him. Um, but maybe, I mean, Robertson offers more going forward. Tain offers more defensively. It, it depends what Clark's um, outlook in the game is going to be. Um, I would start Robertson on Thursday because Scotland need to attack Israel to try and win that game. If it's an away game against Norway, maybe that's where you play play Tierney. Um, it's a difficult position. It's just our luck that we have two really top players playing at the top of their game and they're both in the same position. And then you add Greg Taylor, who's a more than competent left back to throw into the um, equation as well. Um, and then Arne Hickey's now going out to Bologna. I was hoping that Bologna would maybe see him at a right back and kind of sort of that position, but he's another left back. It's like, Come on, let's find a right back from somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. It's typical Scotland that you really want to have quality players. We get given two players who are top quality playing for two of the biggest clubs in the UK and both mm-hmm. same position and, and both brilliant and in that position and you can only really necessarily play one there. Yeah. In terms of the starting eleven, um it's it's definitely something that it's going to be scrutinised in many ways. Scott McTominay was tried at centre-back. I personally am going to go on the record and say I hope he doesn't play him centre-back in, in the upcoming games because he's not a centre-half. And I think, actually, in a sense, does McTominay a disservice? Um, I think it puts even more pressure on him. And I think when you're playing him out of position so blatantly, there comes that whole argument, is he only playing because of his club side? And, and I think we need to get away from that and pick the best possible team for the occasion. So therefore, based on the current squad, who's in your starting eleven, John, and why? Mm, right. Well, David Marshall's the obvious choice for number one goalkeeper. He's the best of the three goalkeepers there. I know McLaughlin's done reasonably well, Rangers, so far. But Marshall, especially like the, the recent games against Israel and uh, Czech Republic, he was the main reason we got four points out of those two games, let's be honest. Um, so I would be happy to step with him. <clears throat> um, my right back, I would I would step with Liam Palmer. I know he's got his critics, but I think um, the last couple of games for Scotland, he's actually been very good. Um, set up the goal for Dykes um, in the last game. Um, I know a lot of people aren't convinced by him, but um, if you're choosing between Palmer and O'Donnell, it's an obvious choice. Stephen O'Donnell, for me, is not an international player. Um, he's a competent um, Scottish Premiership player. But he is not a, a Scotland international for me. Um, so Palmer goes in for me at right back. Um, I'm going with McKenna and Tierney as centre back. Um, I know there's a risk because Tierney's not got the height, but he's, as I said before, he's got the pace and he's got the um, the reading the game to play that position. And he he can distribute the ball. McKenna's also in there to to win the ball in the air and win a few tackles. I know he's had his critics in that national jersey, but again, it is centre backs that are there. Cooper's done well for, for Leeds. I mean, I'm tempted, actually, that maybe he should... In fact, no, I'll, I'll change that. I'll take McKenna out and put and put Cooper in um, alongside Tierney. Um, I think there's a case for both both of them. Um, Robertson left back, that goes without saying, and he's the captain of the team. <laughs> Initially, I'd written down Ryan Jack and um, Cal McGregor for centre midfield, but the problem is Ryan Jack's only recovering from injury. Um, so... Probably McTominay would be in there. I'm worried about that though because I 
I don't think either are comfortable playing just the holding midfielder. I think as long as it's made clear which one's holding, then I think that could work. Um, I know McGregor recently for Scotland has not been great, and I hope getting dropped for the last game wakes him up a bit, but um, he's been in good form for Celtic, both at home and in Europe. That can't be ignored, and he just needs to bring that. Um, my three behind the front man... Um, I'm going to go Chris the right wide right. I think he's played well in the wide position. He's good coming in his left foot. Um, he's such an important player for Scotland. Um, great goal he scored against Cyprus. He was excellent against Kazakhstan. Probably one of our better players in the last two games as well. Um, so he comes in from, from me on the right side. Ryan Fraser on the left. Again, he's comfortable out on the left, coming in on his right foot. Um, he's now got minutes under as well after finally getting, um, taking his move. Took too long to make my move, in my opinion, but that's another issue. Um, so he comes in on that side, and John McGinn in his natural position just off the front. If you look at, if you look at McGinn in those games um, before Christmas, you know he was scoring goals from that position. Um, that can't be ignored. Was I think he was handled in in the last game against Israel, um, playing a wee bit deeper. Up front, it's a tough one. I'm sticking with Lyndon Dix because I think he did well in those two games. I think he's done enough to merit a start um, ahead of McBurney on this occasion. Um, I'm not convinced of any of them, to be honest, though, Callum, as we've discussed before. Um, but we need to... But hopefully the under-21s and under-19s find a striker from somewhere who can pitch that boy in next time. Well, I have to be honest with you, John. Amazingly, my start at 11, pretty much I would say is the same. I, I think Marshall is the obvious choice in goal. I think Palmer keeps the jersey at right back, as you've mentioned. I don't think Adorno's done enough um, to, to come in. For me, I agree with you. I don't think he's an international quality right back. Um, in terms of the centre-halves, I think McKenna or Cooper will be alongside Tierney in the centre-half berths. I look at Portis, I think he's... He, he's too rash for me, as is Gallagher at the moment, to, to really stake a claim and, and say I'm going to be Scotland's regular centre-half. I think both of them are, are prone to being a bit too heavy-handed for international football with the nimble players that you're going to come up against. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Robertson will be the left-back captain as well, and I think it will be good to see him in a back four because, as you've said, when you can overlap a winger, it helps him and it helps the team in general. So hopefully that's going to be the case. Midfield um, two, um, I agree with you. I think if Ryan Jack was fully fit, he would start. Because of his niggles, I think you will see McTominay and McGregor be the starting two. If not McGregor, then it could be someone like a Kenny McLean, to be honest with you. Um, Front three, I agree. I think Christie will start. I think McGinn will start. And um, Fraser will start. However, I do think that Stuart Armstrong is someone who finds it quite, quite harsh on him that he doesn't get a start in this team. I mean, is there an argument to me that you could drop McGinn deeper and, and, and play Armstrong in the hole, potentially, but then again, again, that whole uh, square pegs and round hole situation with McGinn, his best position. And up front, I agree with you. I think Lyndon Dykes keeps the jersey for the simple fact that Ollie McBurney and Sheffield United aren't pulling up any trees this season so far. Patterson and Burke aren't actually strikers. Shanklin's, again, someone who's battling with injury and It'll be interesting to see how that goes. And just to add another wee quick point on, on McBurney, I actually think this this is a big moment for him in the sense that um, Sheffield United have just spent £24 million or thereabouts on, on Rianne Brewster from Liverpool. I don't imagine they're smashing their transfer record to, to put a, a young kid like that with immense potential on the bench. So I think there's a lot of pressure going to be on McBurney 
both at club level and international level because if he's not playing regularly for Sheffield United, then let's be honest, realistically, is he ever going to be able to become Scotland's number one striker? I don't think so if he's not playing regularly. And, and crucially for, for Lyndon Dykes as well, can he step up to the plate long term? I need to be convinced if I'm honest, but I do agree with you. I think that will be the team in, and I just just oh, hope and pray we go over the line. But but I think it's going to be watching it from behind the back of the couch stuff, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's not going to be a pretty night, let's be, let's be honest about this. Um, I'm just not can not convinced that we're going to um, can come through come through again. I know you asked for my score prediction a minute. We might do enough, but um, it's it's a really difficult one to call. Up front's a big problem. Centre back, I mean, there's there's decent defenders there, but it's getting the blind. I mean, I think the problem um, was shown in the Euro 2020 qualifiers with some like six or seven different um, centre back partnerships, and none of them stake to claim. And I think that sums it up for me. Um, I mean, I think I think Cooper um, deserves a, an opportunity given how well he's doing and. Um, the Premier League. McKenna has obviously just started a new adventure with um, with Nottingham Forest, and as an Aberdeen fan, I actually think it's the right move for him. Um, to I think he was going to improve as an international defender. He had to take that move, um, going to the top end of the Championship. So best of luck to him. Um, we've seen the two of them, but as I say, it's got to be. It's really got to be the um, the back four. Um, it cannot be this three five one one because. It's never worked. It didn't work for Alec McLeish. It didn't work those two games, although the results suggest differently. But as we said before, it was we were lucky, um, especially the Czech Republic, that if had they had a bit more know-how, that Czech Republic team, they would have beat us, let's be honest. Had it been Czech Republic's first team, they would have beat us that night. We were lucky it was a, an under-20, apart from a couple of players um, that played that night and not much international experience in there. And we were lucky. Absolutely, and another point I want to make just before we round up is that Ryan Fredericks of West Ham plays week in, week out in the Premier League. He's eligible for Scotland now. Whether he's turned down the chance to play for the national team again, whether he's been asked again, I don't know, but I think if he would be willing to play for the national team, I think we should get him in because it's a problem position. He's playing week in, week out in the Premier League, and I think that potentially could be a round peg and a round hole to solve an issue there, um, at least in the short term anyway. So I think that's something that we should look at. I saw last night someone on Twitter pondering whether Phil Bardsley should return to the Scotland squad. I, I personally think that time has well been and gone, um, yeah. if I'm honest. Um, but I suppose the argument is he's playing week, in, week out at the moment in the Premier League, but the argument would be Burnley are hit and miss at the moment. So is that enough to get him in? I personally don't think so. Score prediction for me, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm going to go 2-1 Scotland. I think it's going to be cagey. There's no way we keep a clean sheet, in my opinion. I just don't see it. I think I think Israel will score. Zahavi, every time he gets a ball, worries me because technically he can manipulate the ball and and and, and, and hold the ball up and, and get other people into play. And I, I think going back the way Robertson at times can, can definitely be challenged. Palmer on the other side, the same. And as I say, I just I just personally don't see us keeping a clean sheet. But I'm going to have faith, I'm going to have hope, and I'm going to say that we're going to win 2-1. And I, I think it will be 
it'll be it'll be tough, it'll be cagey, but but we'll have enough to get the job done, and and just hopefully, hopefully at the end of it, we can we can have a smile on our faces as a nation rather than dissecting a two-one victory or a, a narrow victory to to the hills and putting a negative on it. Let's hopefully let's hope for a win and a positive uh, atmosphere around the, the national team as well. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to go with you um, to win. Um, I, like you, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, so we'll need to find goals from somewhere. But I think. With the players that we've got from the midfield position, um, there's enough in there. Likes of Christie, McGinn, Fraser, McGregor if he um, steps forward as well, and even Armstrong if he comes off the bench. Um, so we need these guys to, to step up and, and bring their club form into the international stage because I don't think enough have done it. Um, McGregor being a prime example, um, I don't think he's done enough in the international jersey. It's time for him to step up and prove some of his critics wrong because there's no doubt he's a, he's a classy player. He just needs to do it more in an international jersey. Um, but, yeah, I'm not overly convinced when I say that I think Scotland will win 2-1 because uh, I really wouldn't be surprised if Visual turned us over either. You just never know what you're going to get. That's the that's yeah. the, the joy, I suppose, of being a, a Scotland fan. And I was going to ask, do you think we'll make it to the Euros? But I'm actually going to keep that question because I don't want to tempt any fate. And I think that's one we can hopefully approach in the future after after Israel, um, because it's just going to be an incredibly nerve-wracking time. But I have to say, John, thanks for joining me. And before you go, um, Famous Tartan Army magazine is the place to, to read the writing of John. SFF is the place to go to listen to John and also uh, read some blogs and, and articles from him and of course on the CFB website as well. Thanks for joining me John and just uh, also who have you got coming up? Hmm. Um, well in the magazines coming out on the 16th of uh, October so we've got interviews with uh, Rory Hamilton um, he's he's done the um, fans with microphones that's a, that's a great feature I really enjoyed um, speaking to Rory um, so, so hopefully the, the readers will um, enjoy that Ian Crocker on his time as um, behind the mic um, uh, that was that was really enjoyable I enjoyed speaking to him uh, Craig Brown um, on Euro 92 and Euro 96 that's another fascinating feature uh, Craig's just a wonderful guy um, also spoke to Leanne Crichton about the women's team um, you know She's um, just fascinating to listen to, and it was great writing um, on her time. And also wrote a um, a feature on the the women's results to date. Um, the piece to look out for the most, um, in my opinion, is not written by myself. It's actually written by my now nine year old niece Megan because she was a mascot for the Russia game last year. She was writing about her experience. It was on. It was the day after her eighth birthday. So. That's the one to look out for more than um, the stuff that our uncle's written. Um, in terms of the, in terms of the podcast itself, um, we've got we've got Alec Graham and James Kearney from Two Point One Football um, coming on to speak about the preview for the Championship, League One and League Two season. So we've got that coming up, and there's other things I've got in the pipeline, but can't reveal till I've got dates in. So, but. Hopefully everyone will keep listening to SFF, but not just when I'm on. Um, the other guys have been doing the nighttime stuff, um, rounding off the fixtures. In fact, they've got Tartan Army Magazine editor Ian Emerson coming on tomorrow at Monday night to preview the Scotland game. So that'll be worth tuning into. Um, F-Bomb John, as he's known, and Scott and Tony and Chris are all doing a fantastic job keeping that going whilst I can't do the... Um, that one with them just now. And I'm just enjoying getting whatever I can in the day. So, um, and obviously, Ali Beg is just out. So, enjoy that. 
Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Enjoy it as much as you did, and and crucially, I hope that you can you can have some some good night's sleep ahead of the the national team game. And and as I said at the start, I'll, I'll finish with this as well. I actually worry that Scotland could keep you up more on Thursday night than than the wee man. So <laughs> God God bless John, and thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you, Calum. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Take care. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song